Hello, and welcome to another episode of Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. All right, Carrie, as you would say, let's get right to it. I would love to get your thoughts on balloon gate, as I'm loving to call it. Is this just a bunch of hot air? You know, it seems like a lot of re- Republicans have have said this is a huge act of Chinese aggression, but didn't it happen three times under the Trump administration? I mean, what's going on here? What are your what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, we don't actually know how many times it did or did not happen under the Trump administration. And if it did, it wasn't discovered until after the fact. Uh, so that wasn't a failure uh, on the Trump administration's part to respond if the, uh, the surveillance just wasn't there. Um, but I do think that this was a very deliberate act by the Chinese government. I don't buy it for one second when they say it was a weather balloon that got off track. No, that's that's lies. Um, and I think what's what's disappointing is that the Biden administration allowed this spy piece of technology to fly across the whole country, basically. And it was uh, tracked above a very sensitive um, airspace uh, out west um, with some very, uh, you know, sensitive assets for the U.S. government and intelligence services. So it was and I understand they said, oh, well, we couldn't shoot it down because of X, Y, Z. There are ways they could have done it. You know, there are lots of open fields. Maybe this is a coastal elite out of touch thing. There are wide open spaces in Montana or or even Kansas or you're saying it had to get all the way across the country to South Carolina before you could shoot it down. I just don't buy it. And I think it made Biden look weak. It made our country look like a joke. Um, and it, it was a way of the, the Chinese government to really poke our eye. Um, and I will give credit, Dave, mark my words, to the Biden administration for doing some strong measures as it relates to China when it comes to doing exercises in the Philippines and uh, you know, doing some measures with Japan and Australia to, to be more proactive against China. So I will give them credit for that. Um, and I think that's part of why the Chinese did this, um, because they wanted to have uh, a response in kind. So that's my take. What about you, Dave? Well, I'm a little all contraire on this. I mean, first of all, um, it, as far as shooting it down, Biden gave the order on Wednesday and he told the military to do it. Now, could they could it have been done over Alaska? Yes, but it left a seven mile wide trail. So if one person had been killed, and if they shot it down, you would have been hearing, oh, my God, come on, three times before we just let it float out or whatever. So I don't buy that. But as far as it goes, here's my theory. I think we're giving the Chinese way too much credit. Once again, I think that they have so many problems going on right now that they uh, would not have this huge, well laid out plot to spy. I don't know. I still haven't heard what advantages Uh, a balloon gives you that a satellite doesn't. I think, you know, people are flying over our military installations all the time. That's why most of the sensitive stuff is underground. Uh, I also think it was a mistake for Blinken to cancel his trip. I think this old saying in politics, and I know I'm in the minority on this, you shouldn't let a crisis go to waste. I think that's exactly when you want to reset the relationship. And then plus the whole thing doesn't make sense because China has been trying to reset the relationship. You know, they are the ones that said, let's put a floor on this. They invited Blinken to come. So why would they shoot themselves in the foot by doing this? So I think this was just uh, disorganization on their part. And it just went away. And I think there was an overblown reaction to whether we, you know, when we should have shot it down. And 
and Biden being weak. But I have to say the thing that was most disquieting about this whole thing for me, Kerry, was to see so many people on TV criticize the U.S. You know, this is Chinese think we're in decline and they're poking a finger in our eye. You know, that's what the Marco Rubios of the world are saying. And it just gets back to this attacking the institutions, you know, whether it's the FBI. Uh, Conservatives used to be the ones that would defend our institutions. And now they're the ones that seem to be attacking them. And then and it's really disquieting to think that, you know, this is everyone thinks this is U.S. weakness rather than Chinese incompetence or disorganization. So. Well, I I agree that Chinese incompetence is real, and that's part of why we had this horrible COVID pandemic. But uh, let's talk about the State of the Union. Um, I want to know specifically why Joe Biden did not apologize for the lies that he gave uh, for for much of last year um, about Republicans when it came to voting. Um, He said he compared uh, Republicans to people like George Wallace and Bull Connor. And you had new information from the University of Georgia. It was a survey of more than 1,200 Georgia voters. It found that 0% of Black respondents said their voting experience in Georgia was poor in the 2022 midterm elections. And about 73% of these Black voters said it was an excellent uh, experience and it was equal to the white voters. So I wish that he would have had more olive branches and more acknowledgement. Uh, It was just him saying, you know, I want to do more of my liberal agenda, but he actually never apologized or admit any faults. Uh, why wouldn't he in this case? Well, first of all, uh, a couple of things. I think you're slightly conflating the reports that you've seen that voter ID has not affected voters, voter the voter experience, uh, that making it harder to send in mail-in ballots and getting rid of drop boxes and making it harder for disabled people to vote and things like that, that stuff hasn't changed. So yes, I said from day one, it's been almost 20 years since we've had this voter ID debate. I see nothing wrong with voter ID. I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's good to have because just because voter fraud doesn't exist, it's a myth in the eyes of most people other than Donald Trump, that doesn't mean that it couldn't exist. So I think it's good to be proactive. And I will admit, and I've said this before, I think Biden has been very Trumpy in his inability to apologize, his his inability to admit when he made mistakes, like Afghanistan would have been a classic example, say, look, I could have handled it better. So I agree with you on that. And I think it was very, that's Biden's problem is that he's done some main problem is that he's done some bipartisan stuff and he's gotten a lot achieved, but a lot of the rhetoric, I mean, when he said these voting laws were, were worse than Jim Crow, they're you know, I was joking this morning. It's like he said it was Jim Eagle. I'm not still not sure what the, what the heck that means. But, but in any case, you know, and then the same thing was the worst case of, you know, racial voting attacks since the Civil War and all this stuff. That was totally unnecessary. I said before, and this is a debate we've had. And this is the, my final comment on this voter, these voter ID laws. There's no reason to make it harder to vote. These laws were passed because it does make it harder for some people to vote. They were not passed because they were needed, because voter fraud is a myth. It does not exist in any, close to any uh, extent to affect elections. So I think that's what there's a distrust. In Georgia, Democrats won the state legitimately. It scared the bejesus out of Republicans, and that's why they passed that voter law. That's a fact. 
Well, sorry, but, I can respond, sorry. or we can go to our next question. Up to you. <laughs> okay. Well, we will, and we'll talk about the state union because I want to get into that. But yeah. um, you know, uh, I I think what's what's also really important just to say one one final thing about uh, about Biden is that um, you know his problem again is that he can't use the bully pulpit as effectively as most presidents, and this gets back to my plea that he doesn't run again. You know, he can't go out and do those seven and eight campaign events. And so you have the rhetoric that sometimes is out there, but you don't have a president who can go out there the way most presidents can and, you know, personally sell people. So I think that's also been a, uh, uh, a problem with with, uh, with him. So, um, you know, uh, one other question that you we had discussed about, which I think is really worth talking about, is the is the debt limit. And, you know, and that's that's a question that you know, that I wanted to to ask because it looks more and more like this debt limit thing is getting very serious. And I know this is something you brought up and you talked about Democrat big spenders and everything when most of the debt accumulated under Republicans. It was raised three times under the Trump administration. No one ever complained. And so I just, again, holding the full faith and, uh, and credit of the United States hostage for money you've already spent is like, you know, going on a credit card binge and then bouncing the payment check. You know, all that, all that gets uh, affected is your credit. You're not going to affect anything. Now, should there be uh, really a serious conversation about spending? Yes. But what are your thoughts? Do you really think it should, that we should hold the, the full faith and credit of the U.S. hostage? Well, there are 24 Republican senators who signed a letter saying that they will not sign off on the debt limit unless uh, the president agrees to some cuts and a serious conversation about how to cut the spending. So uh, the truth of the matter is, yes, uh, under the Trump White House, there was some immediate spending under the beginning of COVID, but that was nothing, nothing compared to, you're talking about four times as much by Joe Biden. So I found it actually quite rich that uh, now, Senator Joe Manchin is saying we need to get serious about the debt when he was the one who uh, betrayed the conservatives who uh, he had been speaking with and went and signed off on these uh, multi-trillion dollar packages. So I don't I don't uh, I don't when when you're talking about holding the full faith and credit of the United States hostage, as far as I'm concerned, Joe Biden's already done that. He's he's accumulated four trillion dollars in debt. He is holding my future hostage. He's holding the, the future of our children hostage. It's already there. So, and I don't think it's something to laugh about. No, I don't I, know why you're laughing. I, I, I'm I, laughing. dollars. I don't think the debt to GDP level that we have now is higher than it's ever been since World War II. And that's not something to laugh about. That, that's actually a really serious thing. And all I heard last night in the State of the Union was that Joe Biden said, it's not enough. It's not enough. I need to I need to have a ridiculous level of spending for student loan forgiveness when there's nothing in his program that would actually stop inflation in the university system. All it does is encourage the universities to, to jack the tuition up even more. There's no yeah. accountability on it. He wants to spend billions of dollars on student loans. And then he also brought up that he wants to spend even more on healthcare spending when the fact of the matter is that one out of every three roughly Americans right now is on Medicaid. Medicaid is supposed to be for the poor. If you're talking about a third of the country, that's not the most needy. So he wants to spend even more money for for poor, like middle class to upper middle class families. And and all of these um, 
you know, un- extended unemployment benefits. A family of four in some country, in some areas here in the country can earn $90,000. Okay. May, may I respond? You're, 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 you're getting into the weeds here. So I'm, the reason I was laughing is because of the hypocrisy. Why were, where were you when the debt limit was raised three times during the Trump administration? And let's have some facts here. Fact, Donald, more than one quarter of our national debt was assimilated under Donald Trump. And it wasn't just COVID. It was that budget-busting tax cut. George W. Bush inherited a surplus, remember? That was squandered. President Obama, the fir- his first term was the lowest, slowest increase in government spending since Eisenhower. So up until now, all right, it's been the Republicans that have caused far more of our debt. And I just think it's very hypocritical. And that's why I was laughing. You're all serious about this now, but I didn't hear you complaining when it was raised during the Trump administration. It's only when there's a Democrat in charge, all of a sudden this becomes to be a serious problem. I mean, can't you at least see how how the American people could think that? Because nothing was said during the most worst fiscal profligacy in history, which happened during the Trump administration. Dave, is that hypocritical or not? I I have the tape. Literally of myself no, okay. asking maybe you, official, but the Republican Party. Why are they doing this? Where is the I Republican said, Party? Treasury official Monica Monica Crowley was the Treasury spokeswoman. I said, Monica, why are you spending okay. this much? All right, I, all right. I was hosting the show. I literally said these same Fine, things. You did. Dave. Okay, maybe you did. I we didn't know each other back then, but I'm just saying it's the Republican Party. Okay, maybe you're you were one in very few. But can you see how that how that comes across as so hypocritical to the American people? I, you, you are right that many people are very cynical. Yes. No, no, not many people and are very cynical, but it's hypocrisy when you are responsible for two thirds or three quarters of the debt and you don't do anything. Democrats are happy to pass the debt ceiling. And by the way, those 24 senators, you'd, you'd asked why aren't more senators on board? Why aren't Mitch? Why is not Mitch McConnell on board? Maybe they're, they realize that this is not the way you get it done that you don't jeopardize the full faith and credit of the of the United States based on something that's already been spent, that you sit down and have a conversation. So I'm hoping at least the president and Speaker McCarthy are engaging, and I really hope that they will come up with something. I think I am all for an agreement to look at spending, but you don't do that, okay, with the full faith and credit of the United States. And I still am haven't gotten an acknowledgement from you on the hypocrisy of the Republican Party, because this is a problem that was created mostly by the Republican Party. And the, but the Democrats, maybe maybe they were soft. Who knows? Anyway, my other question for you is uh, in terms of the Republican response, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as you remember, was a uh, was this, was the press secretary for Trump. You know, and I think, look, being press secretary is a thankless job. I think, you know, you always have to do a spin. I thought she was pretty good at it. I thought Jen Psaki was good at it. I think John Pierre is probably the worst ever. <laughs> but putting that aside, the speech to me was almost like American carnage too. And I was very disappointed. I thought that there could have been more positive, you know, and I just... I mean, whatever happened to the positive Reagan Morgan morning in America message of the Republican Party? Uh, you know, I, it's just kind of sad to me. What, what are your thoughts about her response? Well, she was responding to what was being said. So that was part of it. And, and she did talk about positive things. She talked about 
her battle with cancer and how she recovered over that. And she talked about the surprise visit to the troops uh, by President Trump and the meaningful exchanges that were had there. That was definitely positive stuff. But and I agree that she should have focused more on the real economic uh, realities for for families in terms of the record inflation and, and just the shock of the purchase power of seventy one hundred dollars lost uh, under Joe Biden uh, on on average per capita for each family. So that's that's in an, an real wage loss since Joe Biden took office. I mean, that's so for him, for Joe Biden to be touting and claiming I'm, I'm the best jobs president ever. That's that's just a lie. He didn't. It had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with these external factors. And if anything, he made it worse. It could the recovery should have been much quicker if he was more keen on uh, opening the country back up. So I think it was important for her to do what she did, which was uh, be a reality check um, and a canary in the coal mine, if you will, uh, against the the distortions that we heard from the president. Um, and so I think that was important. Um, I think that she she should have done more a little bit on the economy because that's the number one issue for most people. No, and I and I think uh, you know the the issue is yes, you you can create a lot of jobs, but I think the problem is that it takes a while for things to uh, trickle down. And um, I also believe that when you when you take a look at um, a lot of what Biden's problem is, it's a communication problem. I think that yes, he certainly inflated a lot of the stuff that he's done, but he does have some real achievements. And I think he does have a, a really solid record to run on. But the problem is that he doesn't connect with the American people. And as we've talked about before, you know, even 60% of Democrats don't want him to run again. And I, I know I sound like a broken record about this, but once again, he is aged two years. He is in no position two years from now to tell the country that he can serve four more years. And they're gambling on Trump being the nominee. But even in a recent poll, Trump, it was only one poll, but still Trump was ahead of Biden, which to me, if that's not a red flag, but yet he seems like he's just charging ahead. Democrats are great. You know, again, who would have thought of Jimmy Carter two years before 76? Who would have thought of Barack Obama two years before 2008? Who would have thought of Bill Clinton before, you know, in 1990? So get out of the way. You know, and let some of these young people uh, and new blood come out. Uh, Nancy Pelosi did it. And uh, we'll see. I think that it's a, the signs have been positive. And there's a lot of young, young people on the bench who could do a really good job. But I think it's, it's going to be a disaster if he runs again for the country and, and the party. I, Dave, I agree with what you said earlier about the bully pulpit, just the sheer physicality of running for president. The reality in twenty and he was in a basement before, right? He didn't have to. He didn't have to do so. it. Exactly. That's my. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, they everything was so carefully managed. You have your crop circles with you know feet. Uh, so you you have a tiny crowd, and it's in your basement for yeah. the rest of the time. Like that requires almost no heavy lifting. But now in 2024, things will be different. So I agree with you, Dave. I think if Democrats are smart, they're going to get somebody else. Well, I think it's it's nice that we will we will close on that uh, area of agreement. Another great debate as always, Carrie. You know, and I was just uh, on with Steve Scully this morning, and I was saying that uh, you know one of the great things about our show is that we disagree on about almost everything, but we're great friends, and it's always uh, respectful. And I think the country just. 
people just want to be heard and uh, just listen. That would be the advice I would give to any politician these days. It'd be amazing the results that you'll see. So we will leave it there. Uh, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Until next time. Wow. Wow.